0: This episode brought to you by Iron Galaxy. Scream like a school kid with Capsule Force, an intergalactic retro anime multiplayer game now available on PS4 and Steam. Check it out at CapsuleForce.com.
1: Hey, this is Greg, Uh, the Blurry Photos Gooch, and I'm here interviewing people at the live show. I got here, what's your name, miss? Kate. And how did you come about the show? How did you discover it?
0: How did I discover it? I created it. I am the
1: reason for its existence. You think I'm joking, but I'm not. I am an original member of Damascus Steel, and Dave and David were on the Steelcast with me and Jay Gish and Jason Kohler, and when we died as a team, those two bitches went off and started their own show. I'm very happy for both of them. And I can tell. Thank you for your time. Hi. What's your name? Nathan, what's up? Um, nothing much. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Excellent. Uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming. Also want to know, uh, how did you get in, in, involved? In, like, How did you get to the podcast? What? How did you discover it?
0: Uh, David Floor and I were on an improv team oh. a few years ago, and I kind of kept tabs on it. And then I was on a road trip saying, hey, uh, let me know what people are making for podcasts. I'd rather support my friends. And uh, he uh, linked me to the Eldorado podcast. And I've been hooked ever since.
1: Oh yeah, that's yeah. I came into it early and yeah, I listen to every episode, it's wonderful. Thank you for being here, we really appreciate your support.
0: No worries man, thank you for having me.
1: Hey folks, how are you guys doing? We are great, how are you? I'm doing quite well, uh, what are your names? I'm Pete. I'm Jamie. Welcome to the Blurry Photos Podcast live recording. Uh, really quick question, how did you guys come to the show? Uh, I'm with Annie, Annie is David's uh, fiance now. Ooh, they're in love. I think it's a marriage of convenience. <laughs> so do I. How did you come to the podcast?
2: I'm with Pete.
1: Well, everyone's just with people. It's There's there's no discernible trail of history on this show, just people stumbling into it via their contacts. All right, cool. Thanks a lot. Enjoy the show. Hey, guys, how are you all doing?
3: Great. Good, how are you? It's oh, awesome. <laughs> so you guys excited for the show?
1: Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. going to be awesome. Where are you all from? Uh, Northside. Naperville. Chicago, Lombard, Lombard, Illinois, Bowling Brook. Wow, we got a lot of people from all over the place here, mostly Illinois. So, uh, thank you for coming, guys. We really appreciate it. Hey, guys, where are you from? Mars. Okay, I'm done with you. Hey, guys, how's it going? Good. Excellent. Uh, you excited for the show? Yeah. All right, where are you coming from? Omaha. Omaha. Okay, you win. <laughs> Omaha. With that. Okay, second place. Uh, where are you guys coming from? Old Town, Indiana. Old Town, Indiana. Cool. All right. Good. I, we all know old towns in Chicago. Hey guys, how you doing? Good. Excellent. Where are uh, you excited for the show? Yeah. Sure am. That's that's awesome. All right. Cool. Your enthusiasm is noted. Uh, where are you from? Chicago. Same. Delaware. Where? Delaware. The state. State. Did you travel here from there? Uh. For the show. Exclusively for the show. Yeah. Okay. There's two guys from Omaha. You might have to fight it out. Wesley. West Loop. West Loop. Cool, did you travel all the way here from the West Loop? Well, yes, but I was driven. I had to think about that. <laughs> I was driven. You were driven. All right, cool, happy Ubers, everybody. Hey folks, how are you doing?
3: Good! All
1: right, you guys excited for the show? Very much so. Yeah. Okay, uh, where'd you come from? Uh, about three miles south okay so i'm gonna say chicago chicago so three miles south yes same three miles okay you guys all live together chicago okay seriously it's like a it's like a wacky comedy show for you guys uh real quick how did you guys come to be on the podcast like to to discover it this is the first time i've ever heard of it are you serious you are a newbie in the live show oh my gosh i don't have a prize for you but thanks we work with dave secco oh i am sorry (laughs) Same. I've been on the podcast. Oh, who are you? Johnny Robots. Oh my gosh, Johnny Robots! <laughs> I'm in front of a celebrity! I hope this isn't too loud on the microphone, I apologize. So, Johnny Robots, welcome to the show, we're excited you're here. And uh, to the two who have to work with Dave Stecco, my condolences. And gentlemen, sir, what's your name? Mike. Mike, thank you for coming for the first time, and please listen to it online and give them five-star ratings, because we really could use that. They're- What's your name? Caitlin. Are you excited to be here? So excited. Where are you coming from? Other places before I got. How'd you hear the show? Dave is one of my best friends. Oh, that's adorable. And I'm sorry you have to be friends with him. Thanks.
2: These are our official camp chairs. Hey, everybody. I'm David Flora. I'm Dave Stecco. How's everybody doing? You doing well? Hello, Chicago! I feel stupid for not bringing a handkerchief for the buckets of sweat that I'm (laughs) pouring off right now i am accustomed to sweating i just let it happen <laughs> uh, thank you. all right great hey uh thanks for coming out you guys you guys are great thank you hi hi how you been good uh i <laughs> get okay, a little freaked out this <laughs> is usually we're you know yeah we're calm about well things. you know we we sit around and and fart and burp and then that's we're it's like okay flora. now now the magic happens uh, so we're happy to do a live show. Finally. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but we have, uh, ticked off a lot of check marks so far this year. Yeah.
0: This is 2016 is everything that 2015 was supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> 2016,
2: yeah. the new 2015. Thank you. Can you guys hear us? Okay. Back there. Yeah. Oh, Sweet. Great. All right. Then we won't use the mics. Yeah. It would be weird. Are these on? Are they on? No. Then they you just can turn it on. on. I don't want to. Don't need to. You know what? We'll use it for effect. Ooh. Um, okay. I'm turning so, you guys, uh, we've got a great show for you. Yeah. We've been planning this for a long time. <laughs> it doesn't seem it's like true. it, but we have. <laughs> <laughs> Tonight, you guys, um, we're going to be talking about aerial Mysteries. Bum, bum, bum. That's right. Now... Here at uh, Blurry Photos, <laughs> I always like to start out a good episode with a nice caveat. <laughs> um, so there are countless uh, aerial mysteries that have or happened throughout the world. Um, we can't possibly uh, get through all of them or even most of them. So we didn't um, try. So we're not even going to try. right off the bat. We shall endeavor to bring you some interesting encounters, some phenomenon, some facts, some fictions, some bleeps, some sweeps, and some creeps. Uh, I'm not doing it. Visual joke. (laughs) Now, when we say aerial mysteries, we're talking about uh, unexplained aircraft disappearances. We're talking about unidentified flying objects unbelievable atmospheric phenomenon and unnerving aeronautical hauntings man i really got long in the in the yeah, writing no, it was team. awesome it's awesome so this is kind I of it, it feels assessment.
0: weird because we always have like i always have like digital notes and everything so so yeah we're gonna be like looking at these a lot we didn't memorize them. yeah <laughs> um Yeah, we always have notes and everything, so uh, uh, I always feel a little awkward in front of people reading, but that's what we'll be doing because reading just makes me feel awkward in general. (laughs) <laughs> hey, don't worry we didn't open the house 20 minutes late already you're right you're um right. You're which right. i do want to remind everybody i know that uh jay mentioned it but like we're we're pretty relaxed here so if you guys want to go get another drink in the middle go do it you know you don't have to stay seated you
2: can that's right if you got to go to the bathroom or something there's no intermission if so someone in the third row through. is
0: giving you the eye you know you can go sit next to them just <laughs> the third row we, we put those people
2: there them. on purpose <laughs> they know what they did so uh let's see where were we this uh so uh, Aerial aerial mysteries, this, yep. it's, it's a huge subject. We could do a full episode on any of these types uh, of occurrences, but we've narrowed it down to sort of a synopsis of each kind. We'll talk about the crazy stuff that people have witnessed in our skies, uh, including a short history of aerial oddity. We're going to give you examples of unnatural, natural phenomenon. <laughs> um, a talk of some wild atmospheric anomalies with our good friend, Kenneth Haidt. He's right there. Now, Ken, are, are you a writer
0: and game designer or a game designer and writer? I'm a game designer and writer. Okay. I just, I don't want to get that wrong. No, you
2: don't want to get that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> because Robin will come down. Right. Then I owe a Canadian money. And then, you know what, to, to end things off, um, for the show portion anyway, we've got just a nasty-ass pig trough of spooky stories for yep. you.
0: We're just gonna root through it. Is what we're gonna do with our snouts,
2: <laughs> Stecko. Yeah. How about we get into some histoire? Some sweaty, sweaty history. Some sweaty history.
0: <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> these lights hey, are like a billion years being in a babushka. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Uh, people have seen uh, unexplained things in the sky for as long as there's been sky above us. Obviously, obviously at some points in history, seemingly unexplained events had natural explanations. Meteors, Comets, illusions, your mom. (laughs) Uh, But there are plenty which don't have satisfying justification. (laughs) I'm not used to having video cues.
2: Yeah. Video is fun. For those of you at home, we have got got a projector, and and I put together some slides for us. And
0: you'll never know what they look like because you didn't come here. That's that's just
2: for these people. That's right. Thank you. You don't get that. <laughs> uh, Jay Gish is back there in the booth uh, running everything for us. Jay, hi, everybody. Give it up for Jay. Jay, Jay everything is it running smooth there. So far, so good. Great. How's how's the light temperature
0: still up there? Keeping them keeping yeah. them warm.
2: Are we, are we working on? <laughs> All right. You wanna you wanna dial it? No. Um, <laughs> All right, so let's start around 1400 BCE. Whew, the, that's before the common era. The uh, annals of Pharaoh Thutmose III mentioned circles of fire in the sky. The Let's see, is this a quote? Yeah, yeah this is, is what they wrote. I'm going to have to insist on an Egyptian accent for this. <laughs> <laughs> Checkmate, mother bench. <laughs> it's, it's one of those
1: foreboding uh,
2: Yeah, You can't accents. do that. You, you, can't, can't, you, can't. Don't,
1: you don't have the privilege for that.
2: Uh, you know what? Uh, uh, I'll try to Ben Kingsley it. Uh, oh, yeah, there you go. It's a good bridge, right? <laughs> God, I don't know Ben Kingsley. <laughs> <laughs> the scribes of the House of Life founded was a circle of fire that was coming in the sky.
0: Excellent. It had no head.
2: The breath of its mouth had a foul odor. Its body, one rod long and one rod wide. That's how how tw- long's a wad? A tw- rod. How, how long's a wad? How uh, long's a rod wad? 20.7 inches. Whoa! Not as long as you as thought it was. Um, <laughs> it had no voice. Their hearts became confused through it. Then they laid themselves on their bellies. They went to the pharaoh to report it. His majesty ordered an examination of all which is written in the papyrus rolls of the house of life. "'His Majesty was meditating upon what had been... "'What, what had happened? <laughs> Tutmost, what happened? "'Now, after some days had passed, "'these things became more numerous in the sky than ever. "'They shone more in the sky than the brightness of the sun "'and extended to the limits of the four supports of the heavens. "'Powerful was the position of the fire circles.' that was the day when the fire nation attacked Um, (laughs) (laughs) the army of the pharaoh looked on him with in their midst with with him in their midst it was after supper
0: (laughs) (laughs) what what an
2: important fact
0: (laughs) we We were all
2: a little we were all a little (laughs) full and sleepy These fire circles ascended higher in the sky towards the south. The pharaoh caused incense to be brought to make peace on the hearth. And what happened was ordered by the pharaoh to be written in the annals of the house of life. So that be it be remembered forever. And two jackasses yes. in Chicago can talk about it someday. <laughs> to in a, in a faux Ben Kingsley accent. Yep. All right. Uh, anyway, Egypt, circles of fire in the sky. I should have just said that. How about let's... <laughs>
0: <laughs> no,
2: I think it was worth taking the long route on okay, that one. All right. all
0: right. Uh, 332 BCE, uh, Alexander the Great was besieging Tyre and uh, flying shields appeared over the Greek camp, described as round disks with one larger than the others by about half. Uh, they flew overhead in a triangular formation
2: and apparently didn't do anything else other than that. <laughs> Enough to I guess that's on. enough. Yeah, no, nobody wrote anything in the annals of the House of Life. Yeah. 66 BCE. <clears throat> Pliny the Elder. Damn it. <laughs> Spoke of a strange incident which occurred in Rome during the consulship of Gnaeus Octavius, Gaius, Scribonius. <laughs> the third.
0: F <laughs> that guy and his too many names. <laughs> He spent all of his money buying names. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: apparently, a spark was seen to have fallen from a star and was described as being as large as the moon. It hung in the sky, giving off a cloudy hue. It didn't ascend and took on the form of a torch. Uh, no word on what happened to it after that. Hmm. Burned out? I don't know. Yeah.
0: Plenty. Don't know. Plenty. <laughs> 65 A.D. or C.E., however, however you go to church about it, um, uh, Romano-Jewish historian Josephus wrote about a fantastical sighting over Judea, quote, on the 21st month
2: of Articinium, Art, 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 art Artemisium, Ken,
3: Artemisium.
2: <laughs> and <Thank> you, <laughs> Artemisium, and, and is this your Roman accent?
0: <laughs> I thought that if I got like a full sentence in that I'd, it was too late. All right. You had to stop and ask for directions. Bro. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sorry. That would be my petard. The I hoist ca- is,
3: Yeah. I caught up to you.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm just going to use the same one. Second. it. <laughs> On the 21st of this mother month of
2: artesium. No. Artem- Artemisium. <laughs> Artemisium.
0: It's just Coke.
2: Every time you stop, you have to use a new <laughs> accent. <laughs> On the
0: 21st of the month of Artemisium there appeared a miraculous phenomenon passing belief indeed what i'm about to relate would i imagine have been deemed a fable were it not for the narratives of eyewitnesses and the subsequent calamities which deserve to be so signalized um that sounds like like a run-up to uh a a story of like uh, madness like this guy's about to say oh this would have driven me crazy but i was so
2: hooked on on morphine at the time There was, there was a guy that lived above him that had a cooling system, and <laughs> yeah, exactly. He was, his skin was sloughing off. OK. Yeah. All right, moving on. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> this is what we
0: need in our studio. <laughs> <laughs> You're all invited. Uh, bu- bu- buh, signalized. For before the sunset, throughout all parts of the country, chariots were seen in the air, and armed battalions hurtling through the clouds and encompassing the cities. Both armies watched the incredible objects until the leading disc flashed, tr- flashed tremendous light aimed at the city's defenses, which were said to have given, then crumbled with ease. And Alexander's army was then able to sack the city easily and the discs zipped off into the sky.
2: Hmm. So there were, there were UFOs. They flashed some light at, at the walls. Alexander was like, thanks, bruv. And- right.
0: Well, we were just supposed to see how primitive these uh, hominids were, but you know what? F- it, let's pick a side. <laughs>
2: Uh 12:35. Uh 1 September night in Japan. <laughs> <Ooh>.
3: <laughs>
0: You're going to get a hall pass on this one. You get a hall pass on this one. Uh, uh,
2: while General Yortsume and his army were encamped, they observed mysterious lights in the heavens. The lights were seen in the southwest for many hours, winging, circling and moving in loops. <laughs> The general ordered a full-scale scientific investigation of these strange events. The report finally submitted to him has the soothing ring of many contemporary explanations offered for such phenomena. In essence, it read, The whole thing is completely natural, general. It is only the wind making the stars sway. Science! Now go to sleep. Yeah. I have the feeling. I have the what feeling when the
0: general like life. called for his science battalion, they just grabbed a bunch of pikemen. They're like, I don't know, we yeah, don't have one. Just, just,
2: just make something up. Yeah. It's, it's all good. Just go to sleep, general. Yeah. All right. Shh.
0: This is uh, great. This was a great
2: purchase. Um, in 1561,
0: uh, over 200 cylindrical objects were reported as spinning in the sky over Nuremberg, Germany.
2: This is. You may have seen this on uh the old ancient aliens uh which we have to say it that way or we get sued <laughs> <laughs> it's like it, it 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 was some weirdo sky battle that was apparently waged and they it happened long enough for them to make a colorful wood cutting of it but <laughs> <laughs> It, yeah, it it there was not not much else that I I didn't follow that rabbit hole but <laughs> and the uh, sun is just bored to death The, of the whole like, thing.
3: Yeah.
0: It does not care. He's like, Get out of my face,
2: bro. <laughs> but look that the big object at the bottom is like a huge black triangle and the government agents were asking all the people of Nuremberg the day after to shut up. All right.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> then there was this is fun, the wave of mystery airship sightings In 1896 and 1897, which began in California, Uh, vessels resembling dirigibles were reported to fly over the countryside with odd lights, humanoid crew, and some had great wings and the ability to travel at great speeds. A couple even had crew that purported to speak to witnesses and claimed to be from Mars. Mm. There were no women on the crew. Get it, get it, get it? Old joke! <laughs> uh, one remarkable thing about this wave of aerial oddities is that is that Count Ferdinand von Zeppelin would not be launching the first said Zeppelin to the skies for another three years. So it's like people are seeing Zeppelins before Zeppelins are even Zeppelining. Yeah, before Zeppelin had even Zeppelin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm. by the way, I, I, I finally
0: just got the Are from Mars joke. I just got it. <laughs> well, I just got it. I didn't
2: even get you it. Had, when you you had to travel it. back to 1997
0: to get it. <laughs> uh, there was another wave of phantom airship sightings that hit in 1909, this time in Joliot, England. Okay. Uh, many dirigible like airships were encountered, uh, much like in the U.S. accounts, uh, and a paper called the Meridian Daily, uh, the Meridian Daily Journal, wrote the following. <laughs> yep. Uh, audience, uh, Firth Van Dyke, how are we going to do this? <laughs> You know people complain about this. <laughs> we get emails about that, but you heard them. At a mysterious aeroplane or ship as alleged performance for performances of which in all over England have been mentioned is becoming a perpetual nightmare. The newspapers for some have passed have recordings. Do you leave the what? What? This just went to that That's that's just not my fault. The no, it was probably my fault. Some time
2: past have recorded yeah, no, it's not your fault. All oh, right,
0: skipping that sentence. <laughs> now, this latest flying Dutchman has turned up suddenly in the neighborhood of Cardiff, where Wayfarer, according to his own account, saw a cigar-shaped airship aground. On a summit of Carefilly Mountain at about midnight yesterday, he tells us a very con- circumstantial story. Constance. He, right? I told you. <laughs> He relates how he watched the two men forming the crew, apparently repairing a machine until he saws the watcher. Then they hastily embarked and soared away. A local newspaper reporter went to the scene. Am I done? Oh, yeah, that's it. A local newspaper reporter went to the scene and found the ground had been torn as though by a plowshare. Obviously, zeppelins have been in the air for half a decade by then, so uh, reports like this were not as shocking as the earlier U.S. ones. Uh, but some folks have speculated that the uh, at least some of these airships could have been German spies or uh, thought that these were playing into some of the anti-German mania that was already present at the time.
2: Yeah. Some of, some of that German hating going on. Yeah. Uh, the world wars were rife with aerial mysteries due in large part to the novelty of aerial warfare with so many planes taking to the skies, not to mention the often horrifying end the crews met tales of strange experiences and haunting incidents skyrocketed. (laughs) (laughs) Wink! (laughs) And they've only continued from there. And we'd be remiss if we didn't mention uh, Kenneth Arnold's 1947 sighting of nine bright objects zooming zooming across the mountaintops of Washington State. Credited as coining the term flying saucers, he was actually misquoted When describing the object's motion, being like saucers skipping across water, that was all the media. Mm -hmm. media, What they do, media did did that mess it Um, up. So this this is just a a little how 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 you doing for what people have seen throughout history, stuff they've witnessed in the skies, things that you know people wouldn't necessarily explain even today, right? Be able to to explain or, or. I don't know, but the telescopes would help. The, te- the yeah, the ability to, <laughs> to not be, no, that's going nowhere. Um, <laughs> we ab- are an edited podcast. A, <laughs> abandoned joke. Um, so this isn't all that. Uh, oh, party foul! This isn't all that uh, happens in aerial um, mysteries, which we're going to now yeah. open the door to some of the weird kind of natural stuff that that goes on. Um weather phenomenon, illusions, things like that. We're anomalous gonna get into phenomenon. Anomalous phenomena. Dave, do you want to start us out? I would love to.
0: Uh, uh first one, uh baby angel hair, uh which is a baby sticky baby angel. Just just angel hair? Just angel. <laughs> <laughs> a sticky, stringy substance described as cobweb like or even gelatinous, uh is said to fall gracefully from the sky and disintegrate or evaporate shortly thereafter. It has been connected to UFO sightings, and there's, uh, it's been reported for centuries. In 196 A.D., or C.E.,
3: hmm,
0: uh, historian Cassius Dio wrote, mm-hmm. A fine rain resembling silver descending from a clear sky upon the form of Augustus. I did it. I got you through should, it. Oh. I got through it. I got <laughs> through it. I'll read that again. Uh, a fine rain resembling silver descended from a clear sky upon the form of Augustus. I did not, it is true, see it as it was falling, but noticed it it after it had fallen. And by means of it, I plated some bronze coins with silver. So he was like, oh, that's crazy. I'll bet you I can make money off this. (laughs) I'm absolutely going to go defraud somebody with this really exciting scientific discovery. Uh, They retained the same appearance for three days, but by the fourth day, all the substance rubbed on them had disappeared. And everyone started chasing him around the town. It is theorized uh, to be polarized dust particles uh, or filaments, ionized air sleeting off the the electromagnetic field that surrounds a UFO. That's a theory. There's two. There's two.
2: There's two theories there. Oh, it's one or the other. Yeah, it's either uh, polarized dust particle filaments or UFO (laughs) leavings, right? Them's
0: alien squeezins. Uh, similar phenomenon are angel grass, which are the metallic threads from chaff. Have you ever seen them in the movies? It's that big ball of foil they chuck out of an airplane to mess with radar. Uh, or And star jelly, gelatinous clumps that may be slime molds. Yeah. Just calling it star jelly doesn't make it any better.
2: It helps. <laughs> you, you want gelatinous slime mold or
0: star jelly? Right. I'm less inclined to eat gelatinous slime mold, <laughs> so I'll go with that
2: one. Cassius Dio tried to sell star jelly to no yeah <laughs> he's an entrepreneur well it's weird because the stuff that he describes is sounds a little different from actual uh, angel hair because it seems like anybody that's experienced angel hair it will disintegrate like within minutes yeah And this stuff that he did, he like wrapped coins in it and then it stayed around for a couple days. And long enough for him to probably buy like a tiger or or something. It it, it seemed like he like rubbed it on him or something. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Well, he's he's the huckster, not us. I included it, so it's important. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, you guys ever heard of St. Elmo's Fire? It's such a great movie. It's
0: not a great movie.
2: This is a weather phenomenon uh, involving a gap in electrical charge. It's like lightning, but not. <laughs> it's sort of. It's sparkly. The information said. It's Spark- sparking. It's like lightning, but not. Come on. Bread is like lightning, but not. <laughs> it's actually plasma, or ionized air that emits a glow. But while lightning is the movement of electricity from a charged cloud to the ground, St. Elmo's fire is simply sparking something like a shot of electrons into the air. It's a corona discharge, and it occurs when there is a significant imbalance in electrical charge, causing molecules to tear apart, sometimes resulting in a slight hissing sound. Uh, It was named after Saint Erasmus of Formia, the patron saint of sailors. (laughs) Nice. It appeared during storms on ship masts and in the world wars on planes. Uh it was eerie to those unused to it. As you would expect if your wing is suddenly aflame. Yeah.
0: When if flying, it's crackling you know. and spitting.
2: <laughs> but, but but not lightning. They, but it's not lightning. But they would it would kind of envelop the tips of wings and, and ship masts and it would kind of glow and, and dance and then it would just sort of fade away. So it was freaky. Yeah. But that would freak me out. But cool. Yeah.
0: <laughs> freaky but cool. Meh. Uh St. how about how about sun dogs? Uh, Patches of light that sometimes appear beside the sun are called sun dogs. The scientific name is uh, Parhelion um, or Parhelia from the Greek Paralion, meaning beside the sun. Sweet. Uh, Speculation is that they are called that because they follow the sun like a dog follows its master. They're also referred to as mock suns or phantom suns. Uh, and they're commonly caused by the reflection, uh, the refraction of light uh, from hexagonal ice crystals, either high or in in cold and cirrus and cirrostratus clouds. Uh, this is also strange. Uh, st- I hate reading. Hey, God, slow down. I'm the worst. <laughs> I'm just the you're worst. Good, you're good. I'm so illiterate. It's all great. <laughs> uh, this is also a strange sight to witness, especially if you're not familiar with the phenomenon. I did see these things a bunch. Tell us about it. Did you guys know that I used to live in Antarctica? <laughs> Mm, I did it. Can, uh, no, we, can they were there this? all the time. Can can you? Oh, did you guys you know that I used to live in Antarctica? <laughs> Do you guys get that? I, I'm I'm pretty close. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna keep the emphasis mic in hand. Yeah, that's a, that's a I don't want to ever have to circle back again. Um, no, it's uh, it, especially down there. There's lots of ice particles in the air all the time, and you would always see them uh to either side of the sun depending on the weather and the barometric pressure. It was a, an a, an additional ring around the sun that would then reflect itself in other parts of the atmosphere. So where these two rings would come together, uh-huh. you would see these sun dogs.
2: So yeah. Pretty they were, cool. Yeah, they're a pretty regular feature. Is that's is that something in Antarctica, is that where I used I to live <laughs> Is that um is that something that couldn't happen in uh, tropical climates, then, um, I don't think as easily. I mean, I'm I'm sure
0: it's happened around here. It gets cold and dry. Oh yeah, you know. I mean, so tropical, you guys. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know. I yeah. mean, I, I guess, I guess it's possible if it's a high altitude. It gets cold at high altitudes everywhere. So,
2: then we got uh, ye old cloud cities. Uh. <laughs> oh, say it. What do I do with the hyperdrive? Chewy. <laughs> Hit the (laughs) hyperdrive. There are two things to remember if you want to have a good time. Number one, never run out of Colt 45. Number two, never forget rule number one. We stopped... I don't need this. We we stopped
0: recording an episode once just to look up Billy D. Williams commercials, and it was time... It was time really well spent. Yes, it was. It's called investing in your future. Yeah, that's right. So... So we only give this once over, but boy, if we had a Billy Dee Williams joke on the hook, we'll do all the research. <laughs> in
2: 1643, Father Domenico Giard- Gi- Giardina, Giarda, Giardia, I almost said Giardia, that's a butt stuff, right? Was looking out over the sea from Messina, Sicily, when he saw, quote, a city all floating into the air. And so measureless and so splendid, so adorned with magnificent buildings, all of which was found on the base of a luminous Cristo. I, I would have accepted Billy Dee for some work. It was actually an optical illusion known as Fata Morgana, an incredibly complex mirage that refracts light reflecting from dist- distant objects and bends that light downward as it passes through the colder, denser air. It makes objects seem higher than they are, or even project images from places and things beyond the horizon of a curved earth. That's, uh, sorry, bro. <laughs> yeah, just grab your emphasis, Mike. <laughs> Be ready. Tr-
0: trigger. The trigger's ready.
2: Um, I mean, it, this is, this is pretty rad, I, th- yeah. I think, uh. The light that's refracting from over here is coming through the atmosphere, and then it gets so cold, it's just like, I don't want to go anymore. And so you're standing standing over here, it causes you to see what you otherwise wouldn't see because it would go. I've never seen it myself, but I've heard that from
0: Chicago across the lake to, uh, it's not Michigan, what is the Indiana just over the lake? Indiana over the lake? Yeah, you can see, yeah. Gary, that I've, oh, Gary, I've heard that that this this exact thing can happen right between those two cities. You'll oh. see one of
2: the skylines appear higher in the yeah. yeah. That's yeah. That's it. It's a weird thing, but you know what? We kind of touched on it a little bit in uh, High Brazil. Oh yeah, that's one of the things that we thought, uh, or, or we we what, invented what, what we we invented uh, we that people from the mainland any, could maybe yeah. think they saw something out there, and that's why they could never reach it. Oh you know, yeah, that's one of the magical hoo-haws of it. It's like chasing a rainbow, magical hoo-ha. Um, Dave, start talking. That's 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 the, magical hoo-ha's the eleven o'clock show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, how about ball lightning? This is like lightning and is still lightning. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it appears as glowing orbs that uh, seem to occur during thunderstorms, usually following a lightning strike. And you know what? Recently. Um, with the addition of a lot of cameras on the uh, International Space Station um, and also just enthusiasts who are filming more, it used to be something that was kind of theorized and everybody would heard of it but now there's you can see a, a lot of video of this now, like people are capturing it pretty often now. Ball so lightning. Yeah.
2: Or what they think is ball lightning. Exactly.
0: Uh, these floating fireballs shine about as brightly as a 100 watt light bulb and can be white, yellow, orange, red, or blue <laughs> in color. They could N- be
2: a color! <laughs>
0: Green's out, and purple can go to hell. Oh, okay, um, it is not my outfit. <laughs> and they are typically about the size. Yeah, you no ball Shut lighting. up! Shut up! Shut up! I know what you- <laughs> I, I know they're, where you're going. They're about the size of a small grapefruit. Uh, although sighting suggests that they can range from golf ball to beach ball size. Mm. Uh, only for recreation. Um, uh, there's no explanation for them, although a uh, promising theory focuses on silicon. Mm. Uh, when lightning strikes the ground, silicon. Uh, occurs naturally in the soil, combines with oxygen and carbon and turns into a pure silicon vapor. As the vapor cools, the silicon condenses into a fine dust. The particles in this fine dust are attached to each other by the the electrical charge created by the lightning strike binding together into a ball.
2: Science! Uh, Wait, Mark Soloff.
0: Yes? Mark Soloff. (laughs) Yes.
2: Nailed it. Moving on. <laughs> I was, I just wanted a science from you. I don't know that sh- What? <laughs> I just wanted you to say the word science.
1: Oh, I know that.
2: Science! Yes! All right. Thank you. I don't know why bong lightning happens.
0: No does. <laughs> Did you just call it bong lightning? <laughs> <laughs> I think it
2: could be a
3: soft light.
0: Right? Yeah. <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Oxygen in the air. Once the silicon is burned out, the ball lightning disappears. Many claim to have experienced it, but one anecdote tells of a particularly close encounter that was almost too hot to handle.
2: Watch out, Chewy.
0: He never said that and never would. During late July in 1938, Lillian Dutton wrote of an experience she and her best friend and coworker... Edna had in Latchford near Warrington, England. Is it, is it like, is that like one of those British things where it's yeah. Latchford near well, Warrington or is it just Latchfield, which was also near?
2: I think it's, I think it's that one. Okay. I just, there were like three town names and they were all like, oh, it's because it's in relative location to this other place in England that cool. you may, may know. Uh, we don't.
0: Uh, one afternoon as Lillian went to work, the weather turned extremely humid and it started to rain. As she, uh, she was startled by a loud bang, far more severe than a thunderclap.
2: Thunder sound.
3: The... <laughs> Caught him sleeping. Thunder. Yeah! <laughs> uh,
0: although I will absolutely accept <gasps> every, every, every time we ask for a sound cue, I think that's just as good. <laughs> <laughs> no! <laughs> up, Um, she was startled by a loud bang far more severe than a thunderclap and a bright flash which seemed to light up the sky as the rain battered the pavement lillian got to work but there was no sign of edna when edna finally arrived she was according to lillian as white as a ghost <laughs> that's a short one yeah <laughs> Um, when Lillian had, uh, when Lillian and several other coworkers asked Edna what was wrong, she told them that the terrible bang happened. Well, just like that, <laughs> oh. uh, a fireball had zipped down Edna's chimney and rushed straight at the makeshift wardrobe Edna's father had made, uh, which held all of her clothes. The ball of light ripped through the clothes, burned the curtains and carpet, then tumbled out the front door into the rain, uh, uh into the rain soaked street. Lillian added that, uh, that back in those days, it was quite traditional to leave front doors and windows open during a thunderstorm in case of fireballs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, witnesses said that it emanate uh, from which it emanated was the heat. That's what it is. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Said The heat which emanated was so intense that it cracked the glass and burned wood. Uh, although Edna lost all of her clothes to the ball, she described it looking, <laughs> she described it looking like a big flaming sun. But she may well have escaped being torched uh, alive due to the fact that she did leave her front door open. Uh, Maybe a little bit far fetched to believe that ball lightning was at play, but who's to say? <laughs> I think that she just had like a comically horrible morning <laughs> and was like, no one's gonna believe how much I just fed my whole life up. <laughs>
2: ball lightning. <laughs> she didn't wanna say she just tripped and fell in the fire. Right. <laughs>
0: Well, no one will think I just did that, so I also need to burn all my clothes.
2: (laughs) Also, I hate this wardrobe that my dad guilted me into taking. And then we've got the good old ghost rockets. These are UFOs, which are described as wingless, silvery, and cigar-shaped objects that spewed fiery exhaust. They were first reported in 1944 by a Royal Air Force bomber group, which said they followed aircraft in formation and were able to change direction beyond any aircraft's known capacity. Sightings continued into 1946, primarily in Northern Europe over Scandinavia. 200 sightings were verified with radar returns, but most sightings lasted seconds before the objects shot off or disappeared. Hence the ghost part. Sightings have continued sporadically since, but no satisfactory explanation has been made. Some theorized meteors, some said experimental missiles, or could be German tests. Dirty krauts. That were being conducted. <laughs> ghost, ghost rockets.
0: <laughs> that was uh, ghost rockets. Okay. <laughs> uh, and that leads us to the last weird sky thing and our first weird ground guest. Uh-huh. Ladies and gentlemen, here to talk about Foo Fighters, Mr. Ken Haidt! Yeah. Thanks for coming. Welcome aboard, Jackson. Have a seat. You don't have to put those on. We just decided not to. Oh, man, I feel stupid.
4: <laughs> yeah. I heard that this was uh, going to be aerial phenomena, so I was doing nothing but researching Shakespearean spirits <laughs> and mermaids. Yeah.
3: And
4: now... Man, uh, Foo Fighters, that's, that's not good. Everybody. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Up here, down here, something for everybody. There, go. there we go. Now nobody can
2: see,
4: well, right? you're not lying about those lights. Yeah, no. So, <laughs> I thought it was just a comedy bit, but they really are uncomfortable. No. <laughs> All right. So, what do you want to know? Hey, tell us about Foo Fighters. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, <laughs> after, <that> <laughs> after Kurt Cobain dies... Um, <laughs> Oh, yeah. It was going to happen. I just got it out of the way. It's like an inoculation, (laughs) all right? Now everyone gets a lollipop, goes home. Um, So depending on what you read and who you believe and what you classify as a Foo Fighter, you're already talking about ghost rockets being seen in formation. Those might also have been reported as Foo Fighters. There are reports going back even to 1940 in RAF crews of seeing lights following their planes, right? The Foo Fighter phenomenon qua phenomenon begins... In late 1944, when the 415th Night Fighter Squadron is uh, beginning to observe a lot of these lights, and they start happening over and over and over, and one member of the 415th, so the story goes, uh, was a fan of the comic strip Smokey Stover, which ran in the Chicago Tribune. As a good Chicagoan, he would read the Chicago Tribune while he was waiting for his next Night Fighter mission. The tagline in Smokey Stover, Smoky was a firefighter, hence uh Smoky and uh, his tagline, his hilarious catchphrase was, Where there's foo, there's fire <laughs> see it still kills
0: that's priceless and so
4: and this, to my mind, is the least believable thing about the entire foo fighter <laughs> mystery is that this one guy named these uh, uh anomalous uh, ball lightning ball things that would fly around and chase the planes Uh, foo fighters based on an entirely unbelievable stretch of uh of the language that Mm -hmm. it's well they're fiery where there's foo there's fire therefore they're (laughs) foo fighters hey let's all call them foo (laughs) fighters guys that never happened that were they were called f***ing fighters yeah i was just gonna say (laughs) when military intelligence has to write it down in a report and pass it up they're like well, we're not writing that down.
0: <laughs> that was exactly my guess. I was like, it sounds like they just weren't allowed to swear on the they radio. They just
4: weren't allowed to swear on the radio and in official reports. I wow. guarantee you that's where the name <laughs> comes from. Um, so, under whatever, and the, 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 there's, there's just this meretricious story about the guy coming up and slapping the copy of Smokey Stover down on his boss's desk, like, you know, uh, Mulder on a particularly weird mescaline bender. That's what it is, everyone. That's so, that's that's, so meretricious. That's Smokey Stover story. Um <laughs> But uh, but what it is is they just saw these uh, balls of light, these, these weird balls of light that would follow these uh, top of the line bow fighters, Bristol bow fighters in formation, and zoom along and then zoom off after them. No Foo fighter ever attacked a Allied craft that we know of. Uh, people collided with them with no damage, so we don't. They they seem to be literally entirely visual phenomena. There's no sign. Now there are also reports of seeing silvery balls that looked like metal spheres flying around, also harmless. After the war, very shortly after the war, a guy named Renato Vesco comes out and digs up some German somewhere. And I think Renato Vesco is one of those Italians who's like, well, we gave it a good run. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But he digs up a German somewhere He says, no, it was a secret weapon. It was the Kugelblitz or Feuerball. We have not decided what the secret <laughs> weapon was named. That is why it was so no secret.
0: <laughs> we, we 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 have we have URLs for both. We right, reserve yes. both websites. We, exactly.
4: It's it, we we got a, a trademark team <laughs> yeah. now looking because you know the Japanese they may have already you know uh, done. <laughs> so and there like were them. Japanese. There were Foo Fighters seen in the Pacific Front as well. Hmm. Um, but the uh, the, um, uh, the 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 Kugelblitz of Feuerball was supposedly a uh, a craft that flew with electrical repulsion. It was basically a glass sphere and it had this electrical repulsor in it that would just basically build up enough static to zing up into the atmosphere. And it its job was to lock onto an Allied plane and either provide a target for flak, mm-hmm. although Foo Fighter missions never caught more or less flak than anyone else, <laughs> or to activate a klystron inside the sphere that would knock out the Allied electrical systems. Now, you might say, hey, Nazis, if you've got a magic uh, flying electrostatic sphere, why not put, I don't know, a bomb on it?
0: Yeah, who that's needs
3: klystron? Who
4: needs a klystron? How about, I don't Can know, a grenade? That'd be nice. What's a klystron? <laughs> I think it's something that, that uh, generates a, uh, a, a a large electrical charge, like uh, a capacitor, I believe, That's oh, okay. what it is. It's a klystron?
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think they... Um, I, think I would have also accepted that's, uh, that's confidentially That's confidential. Yeah, yeah. As
4: far as you want to know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so the, the notion
4: being that um, uh, these uh, German secret weapons, and that, believe it or not, became the cover story in American newspapers, right? Because in January and February of 45, uh, the Foo Fighter story gets picked up in Phoenix and Tucson and all these sort of regional papers because there's a, a war correspondent who spends New Year's Eve with the 415th, and he hears about all these uh, the, these crazy balls of light in the sky, and he files the story. And then after that, like the New York Times and Washington Post and all the sort of, you know, papers that have to uh, toe the Pentagon line are out, oh, the, the Nazis have a secret uh, metal ball that flies around in the sky, but don't worry, our boys can take them. <laughs> and it's like, so Vesco's argument is, and for those listening at home, I just did the thing with my fingers. <laughs> Vesco's <laughs> argument is that if the Allies cover story is it was a Nazi secret weapon, that's to cover up the fact that the Nazis had developed a much better secret weapon that they don't want to lower morale by revealing. Now, this is the guy who's had at least two years. I think his book came out in 46 or 47. He has at least two years to think of a better version of that story. Can't do it. It's, really, it's a really good book. It's called uh, Man-Made UFOs. Uh, and it, I think he did a new edition in the 80s, um, which is out now um but it's bananas and it and the answer was nazis so if you were looking in the back does not <laughs> just just skip there yeah right yeah it's just a big swastika so, so that's, on the last that's basically page your foo fighter story um they they, they see a bunch of them in uh, well, late 44 through 45 uh they're seen in the pacific theater um so it's not just a nazi thing or if it is the nazis have shared klystron technology with the <laughs> with the with the japanese empire for whatever reason. Which um, would
0: explain the Japanese cartoon, or, Kleistron Z. Pleistron Z.
4: It does explain that. <laughs> um, conversely, it is, like you say, when you're up in the skies flying around at high altitude, air is full of ice crystals, all manner of freaking crazy lights are happening, they're going to refract through the ice crystals. Or, of course, you know, ball lightning, or St. Elmo's fire, or any number of a million other things that could happen.
2: Now, would that explain how they didn't make contact with the aircraft? If, if it's ice crystals or something, in yeah, the because air.
4: it's an optical effect, right? You're seeing them at the specific it's, focal it's length for icy. that phenomenon to develop. It's, it's like with any optical element. effect, you know, you, you've got the, the specific focal length at which it comes into focus and doesn't come into focus. Gotcha. They're exactly in focus at, say, 100 yards from your cockpit. Gotcha. You're flying along. And remember, there's nothing you can compare it to. Right. So and we've, it we've might have been that. six inches from your cockpit, but mm. it looked like it was super far away.
0: Yeah. We've oh. had that come up a thousand times for different uh, people sighting things in the sky. You, you don't have a, a, uh, any measurement, mm-hmm. any way oh, yeah. to determine distance
2: from there. There's no frame of reference. So people think the the mothman is, you know, six, seven feet tall or something. And he's only four and a half. Feet yeah. Tall. Mothman guys. <laughs> and that's why he's so pissed off about that. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Got a complex. Yeah, just got a Napoleon complex. <laughs> right. So that's that's awesome. Do you what? What was you had another aerial phenomenon? I did, in you, fact.
4: <laughs> what was that? And this, this to my mind, is so much. It's better than Nazis. That's how good it is. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. This is the theory of a guy named Trevor James. Everything's
2: Constable. better than Nazis. Wait, a <laughs> well,
4: yeah, great, wait, wait,
0: not, just, wait, wait for it. Wait.
2: Everything's better than Nazis. <laughs>
4: It's not Worth just. It. It's not just morally it, better. It better. <laughs> it's also narratively better.
3: Than uh, oh boy! Oh boy! <laughs>
4: Sorry. So there's a guy named Trevor James Constable who was a uh, merchant marine sailor in World War II and should afterwards. have been a cop. All right, should have been a lot of things. The name like Trevor James Constable, the world's his f***ing <laughs> oyster. As far as
0: yeah. I'm concerned. You don't talk to Trevor James Constable like that. <laughs>
4: Um, it was. He was born in New Zealand, so as far like you, uh, you didn't talk to Trevor James constantly like that, eh?
0: No, no, uh, yeah. <laughs>
4: you didn't. You didn't do it. <laughs> <You> no. <didn't. laughs> so he is a devotee of the theories of Wilhelm Reich. Who I don't know if you guys have done with Wilhelm Reich and the orgone. Have we done that? Yeah. Oh, not yet. No. Okay. No. Really brief pressy of
0: Wilhelm Reich. By the way, really definitely done. Right. Ken Height will be a guest again on Black Photos.
2: I don't know if you guys know. Oh, is surprise. that is that a thing you haven't done yet oh, that I know sorry. all
4: about? Oh, but, uh, well, if if I must. <laughs> so Wilhelm Reich is a uh, is a uh, hardcore Freudian, and he believes in the Freudian libido as the as the driver of everything that happens. But because he is a happy person, not a sad person, he believes the libido makes you happy. Libido is not there to be repressed by a bunch of society. <laughs> also, because uh, Reich is a communist and believes that society is around to repress libido. Oh, and things. I
0: smell a sex cult brewing. Yeah, you know it.
4: Wilhelm <laughs> Reich believes that the libido the smell. is a powerful, beautiful force that is aligned with all the other positive forces of the universe. And once you start walking towards positive forces of the universe, there's no stopping you. He uh, begins to do experiments to determine whether you can detect the energy that is released by the libido (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know it and so after enough of those experiments he gets thrown out of germany (laughs) and then i think he gets gets thrown out of norway (laughs) 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 and washes up in the great united states
0: but but think about how much he could sell at least all of his scientific film footage oh
4: yeah His experiments have detected a blue light that appears in bodies during libidinal activity. <laughs> this blue I must light be terrible at the, sex because you know, I have never this, seen this it. This story just keeps, it doesn't, it, it, that's the floor of this story. just keeps getting better. <laughs> the blue light, be, it, he discovers this blue energy, which he names orgone, is the fundamental energy of positivity in the universe. So it's why our sky is
0: blue. Wait, I think we have. Wait, I feel like we have talked about Oregon before. Have you talked about Oregon
4: before?
2: Not, not in any, not for. Well, it was Oregon like a little. Oregon touches yeah. a lot of things, as yeah. you might expect. Oh, I hope so. Yeah.
4: So, um, uh,
2: I'll say. Yeah.
0: How come I don't get an emphasis, mic? <laughs> you are the emphasis,
4: mic. <laughs> so, um, uh, so Oregon is why our sky is blue because. Uh, The natural beauty of the sun is coming down and hitting the atmosphere and orgone is released and the natural orgone power of the universe is what can make it rain. So he builds an orgone accumulator that will make it rain. He has orgone boxes that you sit in and accumulate your orgone and then you come out
0: raring to go. Ken, I can only make so many jokes about
4: this. Yes, I know. <laughs> I don't there's no you, bottom you, to this well. You have paralyzed me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I am sure you'll live down to the possibilities yeah, no, come pun time. Yeah, we'll just yes. keep
0: working through it. Right, yeah. Just so one at anyway, a time.
4: So the so the uh, so he's, he is he is a, a a aficionado and uh experimenter of the organ. Now let's leave Wilhelm Reich alone. Uh the government doesn't, but we will. And Trevor James Constable has decided sailing back and forth on all-male merchant ship crews across the cold, cold, cold Pacific Ocean, Wink. that uh, he would like to know more about orgone, and he develops <laughs> a number of orgone technologies that will cause it to rain, because he's bored, and making it rain the other way is not going to happen on a merchant marine ship. Oh. Not even a New Zealand merchant marine ship. No, so he, um, no. uh, so he uh, finishes uh, his sailing, comes to America, and decides that he's going to use these orgone accumulators to find uh, the life in the the atmosphere, right? Because he theorizes that UFOs aren't mechanical things, although some of them may be. They're not demons, although he is at the forefront of the demonic UFO theory. (laughs)
2: They're not they're, lightning, they're although not, well, they're, they, like lightning. they're like lightning. <laughs> <laughs>
4: yes, they're in that way very similar to bread and the sky, <laughs> yes. and demons and machines. Yes, yeah. he, he does believe in ahramonic forces from the Hollow Earth. <laughs> But that's a dif- that's not really relevant at the
0: moment. We've got certificates.
4: Oh, that.
2: Zoroastrian uh, Aramon. Uh, yeah, oh? that's the one. Jeez. Yeah,
4: he's a happener. There you go, floor. So he goes. So he goes out into the desert and takes photographs of the sky at dawn with infrared film because the infrared is what will capture the organs, right? Sure. Obviously, that's just science. <laughs> and sure enough, when he and and when I was looking this up, I felt a a, a swelling moment of joy. He and James Woods, but it's not the James Woods. <laughs> not the beloved Hollywood actor James Woods. It's a different guy named James Woods. But I think we can all picture it as James Woods <laughs> yeah. if you want to. Done. Yeah. So he, they're out there photographing, and when they get back and they develop their infrared film, what do you suppose they find? Enormous space amoebas living in the sky. The enormous space amoebas living in the sky. I always
0: suspected it.
4: Uh, he uh, finishes his research. He's been hanging out at the giant rock conferences with george van tassel and all the early UFOologists. Mm. he's in touch with george adamski all these early guys and he's like no no guys it's not from venus it's from the orgone the orgone makes the sky bacteria happen the sky critters as he calls They're them." like
2: beat it square we're talking about <laughs> ufos yeah he's like well i'm talking about the Take orgone <laughs> I'm,
4: I'm talking about the orgone i'm, to- I'm talking about the orgone space yeah, the space orgone. amoebas and so the um uh and so the uh he writes a book in 1958 called they live in the sky one of the great book titles, yeah, I feel. I would buy right? that book. Pride and Prejudice. They live in the sky. <laughs> um, uh, so he he writes that book up, and then it turns out that does not actually divert all of ufology. So he writes it again in 1978 under a different title, which is less they fun. Still they the
3: still
0: sky. live in the sky. Still in the sky.
4: Still in the sky, everyone. Uh, that's where he brings in the armonic demon aliens. Yeah. Just to oh yeah. Get everyone sort of on on side here. But the the larger point is that he has these enormous. Creatures that are created by orgone, they're they have they're an orgone-based life form, they live in the sky, they're giant bacteria or amoebas, they fly around, and that's what makes UFOs, because they're only visible through for the infrared, but they can, because they're orgone creatures, refract visible light. So when <laughs> visible light shines through one of these things, it glows. But that's why they stop glowing, that's why they, they are only seen for seconds, is because the visible light is only going through them uh, for a little bit, right? So... These giant space amoebas or sky amoebas, you know, he doesn't know if they're alien. They might be earthly, <laughs> and, uh, and th- that's what's causing all of this stuff. There's a later theorist who I think is, you know, doing God's work here. <laughs> His argument is that the space amoebas are actually—he s- calls them sylphs after the elementals of the air created by yeah. invented. Why theorized. not
0: mix some more sh- in here by, 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 all by means.
4: Paracelsus? He says that the sylphs <laughs> are like the Earth's antibodies. And that's why they eat up chemtrails. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it it does. It just
0: welcome keeps, to full circle. Yes, with welcome your host Ken. Welcome Height. to the
4: magic. Uh, so Trevor James Constable's sky amoeba theory is, as far as I'm concerned, that and um, uh, mad inventors who want to fight the Spanish. That's what all UFOs are: is <laughs> sky amoebas, wow. Nazis, and mad inventors. That's what it is.
2: That's amazing.
4: Yeah,
0: yeah so, ladies think, and I gentlemen
4: and that also covers your star jelly by the way right what's that? that covers your star jelly because well, these giant space amoebas you That's know when, when they, they die poop. they fall out of the sky oh, yeah. or they poop or anything and then you get uh, star jelly or poudre serre as it is called in the welsh <laughs> or you know, angel yeah. hair or angel hair yeah rub, rub it on, on a nickel angel. give your it whole, to
0: an idiot i mean this
4: is basically you go you go through charles fort with a highlighter i will bet you explain mm. a third of his stuff
0: with uh, space, <laughs> space amoebas. amoebas yeah wow
4: yeah uh, Ken, have you done a Charles Ford episode by the way? Uh, yeah, heard Wait, of him. I'm sorry. What Charles you, Ford Have you done? Um, no.
0: <laughs> we. What just happened? I just punched this for no reason. Yeah. Don't.
2: you was so mad that you haven't <laughs> done a Charles Ford episode.
0: <laughs> Every time uh, you say the word, I just flip
2: out. Yeah. Ken, as always, uh, we could talk to you for episodes about this, and and we will. Yes, uh, you could. Yeah. I but I I I'd say uh, an orgone episode should be in the works then shortly. Yeah. Uh, maybe with, with that teaser. Maybe. Uh,
0: but. <laughs> If we can afford you.
2: Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, as always, appreciate you coming and talking to us. Uh, and thank you for coming and speaking to everybody here, yeah. uh, the whole family. So Anything thank
4: I you. can do. Yeah. Anything I can
0: do. And if Ken and Robin talk about yep. stuff, baby. oh yeah, plug it. Yeah, if you like if you like hearing Ken talk, then you want to hear Ken and Robin talk. Uh, it's Ken and Robin talk about stuff. It's on iTunes and the internet, and it is awesome. So, right. thank you, Ken. And
2: Hyde! Hyde! Man, oh man, I love that Zoroastrianism gets in its little tendrils into. It. It's like the new. Um, what 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 no, was it? It's Pliny it, the it's Elder the, is the, is the new Carl Jung. That's a,
0: <laughs> But we it, don't talk about him anymore.
2: You know, I realized um, halfway through when Ken was talking, when I was looking at the old uh, computadora here, I didn't have the uh, headphones on, and I haven't yeah. had them on all episode.
0: No, I, I thought that was a choice on your part, so I was like, all right, no headphones. Oh,
2: good on you. I'm glad you trust me, but yep. uh, I don't need them. Yeah. I, li- I like hearing the voice of the people. <laughs> 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 that's pretty cool, man. You know though, Sky amoebas, Orgone, nay, all that stuff. Nay. You know what it sounds like to me? What? Just sounds like a bunch of oh, uh, Wait,
0: hold on. Where'd mine go? You are holding to my it. hand.
2: <laughs> Coca-Cola, ladies and gentlemen. It is just Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. No, I was going to say it, it just sounds like a bunch of <sighs> new, new age bo Everyone
0: if I want to get a drink or something. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Shit!
0: All right. There's, um, there's a child in the audience, right?
2: That's imitatable. We're sorry, small dinosaur child. <laughs> but thanks, thanks to Clairvoyant Katie for for bringing yeah. everybody up here. She's awesome. She's a good um, mother, despite
0: what you're seeing right now.
3: Oh, sweet!
2: Fucking <laughs> I, I right. hit him in the back of the head. It's, it's no problem. <laughs> We uh, struggled, but Jay, are you are you back there? Yep. Um, <gasps> there you go, Jay, There We go. Everybody's got a mic except Ken. Um, <laughs> Ken doesn't need a mic; he's a natural projector. Jay, I just wanted to see if you were awake with a Franken duck. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, I accept that.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: um. Jay, we're going to skip this first story. Okay. We're skipping it. Skip it. Skip the damn We're, do- we're thing. doing all right. We're not so bad. Oh, no, we're terrible. Anybody need to pee? Um, you guys, I'm sorry we started so late. The computer didn't want to uh, recognize that there were mics plugged into it, so I had to... Which was problematic. Had to give it what for... Um, Dave, you've got a story to start, though, right? Oh, yes, I do. Well, before you do... Okay.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Jay, can you can you give us a little mood light? Jay, are you at the controls? It's <laughs> coming. Jay, go and bring it on down. Bring it on down for us. Oh. Keep on keep on going. Who cares? Just go. Just go. Just keep keep going. Yeah. I'll tell you when to stop. Let's get freaky. I want to I want to make the most out of these little candles. Yeah. Oh. That'll oh. that'll work. Yeah. Now I'm gonna read. <laughs>
0: That's, that's good. It's fine. It's fine. Actually, this, this kind of does work a little bit. No, this, this really doesn't work at all. I'll have to figure something out because I'm clever. These aren't Excellent. real candles. No, this is going to work. Um, here's a very strange story about the mysterious death of U.S. Air Force Captain William Schaffer. Is it Schaffner? Sha- Schaffner. Sh- wait a minute. It's not. It's not Schaffner. It's Schaffner. Schaffner. It's so close. Wait a minute. Where are we at? <laughs> I skipped. Yeah, I skipped, I, I skipped. Which one did you skip? The first one. Yeah. The Boeing 727. Where am I at? Spoilers. It loses 10 minutes. It, it, it go, showed up 10 minutes it, late. Then. No one knows where it was. You, you just, got it. You got, got it.
2: We're all yeah. good. Yes, we're all good. Yeah. Thanks. Sorry. All right. So I'm, know, I'm I'm in the right spot? Yeah, you're great. Okay. I, uh, thought I was great. Feel great. will um, great. Bring it on down some, Jay. Bring it on down. <laughs>
0: All right. I got this. Uh, William Schaffner in September 1970. UFO, UFO investigator and former police sergeant uh, Tony Dodd. It's because it's it changes color as I hold it. <laughs> no, no, no.
3: <laughs>
0: no. You, yeah, you've got no, like flashlights w- and everything. Yeah, I'm way better. I'm Dave Stecko. I always have a flashlight in my pocket. Oh, that is really yeah. bright. That is the worst idea. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Okay, there we oh, go. No, yeah, yeah. Check this out. I Can make my shirt glow. All right, all right, all That's right. Great. Okay. We have fun. <laughs> we have fun. Put it under your chin. It just did, and it blinded the hell out of me.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thirty
0: minutes later.
2: So, you just you just tell me to stop or no? I said. I, oh, I'm I said, good. So, uh,
0: UFO investigator and former police sergeant Tony. Uh, Tony Dodd wrote an in-depth article of the Schaffner mystery in UFO magazine. According to Dodd's research at 8 17 PM, a radar operator had made contact with an unknown craft that was traveling over the North sea, somewhere between the Shetlands and Norway. The radar controller monitored the object for a few minutes as it traveled to a height of 37,000 feet. Yes. On a Southwesterly direction. Uh, the object was recorded as traveling at a speed of 630 miles per hour. The object then altered direction, turning 30 degrees to head south. Its altitude ascending to 44,000 feet, and its speed to 900 miles per hour. Now, if it's carrying two bushels of apples,
3: <laughs>
0: and there's a boat heading to Santa Fe, <laughs> uh, the two lightning inter—let's uh, see—two lightning interceptors uh, were then searching the skies over the North Sea for the object. But suddenly, its speed was recorded at 17,400 miles per hour which completely stunned those monitoring from the radar tower. They were useless. They just stared at it like idiots. (laughs) Uh, The object was behaving like no known terrestrial craft, and each time a fighter jet drew close to it, it somehow managed to blink off from the radar, only to then reappear in a different area. At 9.45 p.m., Captain William Schaffner took to the sky along with four other lightnings, two phantoms, and three tankers that were already airborne. Uh, The mysterious events that were about to unravel over the North Sea would eventually be broken by the Grimsby, the the uh, hard-hitting newspaper, the Grimsby Evening Telegraph, (laughs) which everyone knows takes no s***. You want to see the unvarnished truth? You need the Grimsby, (laughs) Um, uh, who featured the alleged original transcripts between Schaffner and the controllers at Saxton Wold, who had latched onto the object as it traveled 90 miles east of Whitby. I hope you guys have really good mind maps of all this, because they're giving a lot of information here. Uh, according to the newspaper, Schaffner had reported to the control tower. He had visual contact with the object, but when he asked to describe it, he responded, nothing recognizable, no clear outlines. There's a bluish light. Hell, that's bright. Very bright. Uh, Schaffner confirmed that all the instruments within the plane were functioning and that he was coming alongside it. At this point, the object was around 600 feet away. Schaffner Schaffner commented, It's a conical shape. Jeez, that's bright. (laughs) Please stop making me look at it. I retire in two days, and I just bought a boat. (laughs) It hurts my eyes to look at it for more than a few seconds. Shafter moved closer to the mysterious object, getting within 400 feet, when he told the base that there was another object close by, something resembling, quote, a huge soccer ball but constructed entirely of glass. Ken, there's probably a cl- clister in there. Kleistriston. I uh, forgot it. Uh, the object then began to descend and Shafter dropped his plane, confirming that the glass-like object was still within the vicinity. But then, but up until then, everything was fine. Then something bizarre happened. <laughs> uh, there's a haze of light, uh, he said. Yellow. It's within that haze. Wait a second. It's turning. Coming straight for me. Sh. I'm taking evasive action, a few, I can hardly, and then the radio radio went dead. It was then that the radar tower lost contact with Schaffner. From here, Dodd records that according to the radar controller, two mysterious objects merged into one. The object then became stationary 6,000 feet above the North Sea, and then it sped towards Saxton at a rate of 900 miles per hour. A few moments later, Saxton uh, were back in touch with Schaffner. Schaffner said, GCI, are you receiving? Over saxton affirmative loud and clear what is your condition schaffner responded that he was feeling dizzy and that his instruments were malfunctioning saxton then ordered schaffner to turn uh turn to 043 degrees and descend to 3500 feet and schaffner then did that Uh, when schaffner seemed to regain his senses the radar controller inquired as to how his fuel levels were looking to which he groggily replied about 30 percent it was then that the controller asked schaffner exactly what had happened Schaffner responded, I don't know. It came in close. I shut my eyes. I figure I must have blacked out for a few seconds. Uh, shortly afterwards, a Shackleton, which is another aircraft, took to the air over Flamborough and uh, circled Schaffner's plane. At that point, Schaffner asked the station, can you bring me in, GCI? But the response from the controller seemed a little strange. Quote, er, hold station 94 over, Foxtrot 94, can you ditch the aircraft over? Schaffner seemed hesitant, saying, yeah. I guess <laughs> I, I, I would really like to land it if that's okay, but you know, I guess you're in control. So uh, at that point, the Shackleton was contacted uh, and told by the station that Schaffner was about to abort his plane. At this point, the mystery deepens for between six and seven minutes. All contact was lost with captain Schaffner. The next word from the Shackleton pilots were unnerving. Uh, he said, he's down GCI hell of a splash. He's down in one piece though. Over. The Shackleton circled the area, scanning the black oh boy waters, but there was no sign of the plane or pilot. Then, a few minutes later, the Shackleton pilot recorded that, quote, the canopy's up, can't see the pilot, we need a chopper out here, GCI. With no sign of Schaffner, there was an increasing concern that he may be down in the icy waters and freezing to death. No flares or other distress signals have been sent out. At Saxton, the controller continually asked Shackleton, the, the Shackleton pilot if there was any sign of the other pilot. Each time, the answer was negative, but, rather oddly, the canopy of the plane had now been reported as being shot. A chopper was sent, but again... Shut.
2: Sorry. Oh. Shut. My bad. Huge difference. (laughs) Yeah. The canopy was shut, not shot. This
0: is how rumors get started. (laughs) Uh, A chopper was sent, but again, there was no trace of Captain Chaffner. Despite a two-day search for the area, Captain Chaffner was never found. A month later, divers investigated the wreckage on the seabed and stated that Captain Schaffner's body was still in the cockpit. However, when the plane was wrenched to the surface uh, and and sent to Binbrook, there was no sign of Schaffner. The whole operation seemed to have been carried out with a degree of secrecy. Even more bizarre was the fact that when the interior of the plane was checked over, several of the instruments normally found in the cockpit were completely missing, and there was a strange, unpleasant smell. Which, I don't think it's that strange if the guy was in there for... Uh, according to Dodd, the ejector seat almost seemed to be wrong, as there was a suspicion that it was not the original one fitted to the aircraft. The expl- the explanation for the missing body was that the plane had possibly hit the water at a certain angle in a low speed to, to avoid breaking up. Evidence from the wreckage suggested that Schaffner unstrapped and stepped over the side, but how much sense would it make for an un- for an experienced pilot to abandon his equipment to sure uh, his equipment to sure death? Well, I don't know. It's a plane. It's not a boat. You should probably get out of it if you're in the water, right? Judging by the fact that several unusual craft had been observed in the sky at the exact time of the incident, it seems that Captain Schaffner had indeed experienced a close encounter with the UFO. It also seemed uh, that the apparent eagerness of the crash investigators and the Ministry of Defense to hush up the incident raises even more suspicions. Some claim that the only anomalous phenomena uh, that night were atmospherics. Whatever the case, if Schaffner's words were in any way close to those mentioned in the evening telegraph, it seems highly unlikely that an experienced American pilot would succumb to natural phenomenon. <laughs> Thanks, Jay. Woo! <laughs> 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 Laura, do you
2: want this light? Uh, no. You, you, you go on with the next one too. Oh, and then I'll, I'll pick us up in the at the end. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> take, take a nice uh, swill of. Yep, it's a throat throat juice there. Hey, show them that skeleton.
0: Oh, yeah. We got this at the dollar store today. (laughs) (laughs) This is the greatest thing we've ever
2: seen. We almost wrecked the car today. We were having so much fun with this thing. The best part is there are maggots floating in there. (laughs) This is only a dollar. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have fun. We have fun. We have fun. <sighs> All right.
0: Yeah. yeah. Bring, Bring it, it, it down. back down. Bring it on down. Now it's scary times again. Uh, here's another World War II creepy account uh, from an airfield. A patrolling flight of Lightnings based in North Africa were engaged by a but engaged. Uh, what? Show them that skeleton again. Yeah. <laughs> The skeleton can't fix everything.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Take that
3: back.
0: (laughs) Uh, They were engaged in combat by German fighters over the Mediterranean. Uh, When the dogfight ended and the the flight reformed, one lightning was missing. None of the pilots had seen it go down, and a search of the area revealed no sign of a survivor. Back at the base, the loss was recorded, and after it was judged that the pilot's fuel would be exhausted, he was posted as uh, MIA. Then... The air air raid alarm sounded, and the ground radar station picked up a single aircraft approaching the field, low and fast. The anti-aircraft guns were manned, but while the pilots on readiness were still running to their aircraft, the intruder came in sight. It was the missing lightning flying in a shallow dive with its engines at full throttle. Above the middle of the field, the lightning seemed to stagger in the air. There was no explosion and no fire, but the aircraft simply broke apart. Uh, The watching air-grounding crash crews uh, raised a cheer as the body fell away and a parachute canopy billowed out above it, but the cheering quickly stopped when it was seen that the figure hung limply in the harness as it drifted down to collapse beside the wreckage. The pilot had a bullet hole in the center of his forehead, and the medical officer said that he had been dead for several hours. The engineering officer found that the tanks of the lightning were bone dry and had been for some time. All those on the airfield, including over 100 officers and enlisted men, had had, uh, witnessed the incident, and knew it to be impossible for a dead pilot to fly his aircraft back to base. They all knew that. They agreed on that part. <laughs> they were willing to sign affidavits to that effect. Guys, let's get our story straight. <laughs> Say it with me. It's impossible for a dead guy <laughs> to, to pilot a plane. A plane. <laughs> I <don't> know, man.
3: <laughs> Damn it, Kowalski! <laughs>
0: Ken Height as Kowalski in the Blue Photos production.
3: <laughs>
0: um, he also had no fuel in the tanks, and then to pull the ripcord of his parachute was extraordinarily unlikely for a dead guy to do those things. <laughs> Nevertheless, they saw it happened, and they later signed their names to Well, they did. They later signed their names to that effect on the base commander's report of the event.
3: <laughs> Thanks again, Jay! <laughs> <clears throat> Woo!
2: all right oh you can leave it down
3: can you oh, see yeah.
2: do you want this i'm fine i've got the eyes of a young 34 year old man <laughs> uh this is yeah <laughs> listen to the jokers we got in the crowd <laughs> <laughs> okay okay we, have, we fun. have fun we have fun um, <laughs> Right, I got got one more story here for you, and this is a this is a good one. I, I really enjoyed this. I, I went through like five friggin' books of this stuff, pulling out, and and I got to tell you something. A lot of the shits the same thing, and it is as, it's as creepy as this music sounds right now. Same yeah. stuff over and over.
0: Flora read five books and put together this these glorious outlines and everything. I got blackout drunk at a brewery. <laughs> that
2: was my contribution. <laughs> Hope you could hear that smile. Everybody. <laughs> all right. This one comes from the official records. I hope it's okay that I'm using the mic. I want to kind of bring it down low here. Comes from the official okay. records of the Royal Air Force Bomber Command. It was still the early stages of World War II when the overwhelming weight of air power rested with the Luftwaffe. Germany's best had shattered all defenses through Europe and then hurled itself in a terrible bloodletting, but without final success at England. In the duels and charges fought high and low above the Isles of Britain, Spitfires went high on their graceful wings to take on the best of Germany in the form of Messerschmitt fighters. Those engagements freed their hurricanes to swoop into the midst of the German bomber formations to decimate their ranks. When the great onslaught was done, the Germans, in effect, withdrew to lick their wounds and to regroup. But the British victory was, for the moment, just that a momentary victory that served the purpose of regaining strength, replenishing pilot ranks, and rushing new machines into striking back at the Germans. Among those machines was a group of aircraft known as the Douglas DB-7 Boston. The slim twin-engine Douglas bomber, known then as the Havoc, uh, had also been part of a rush order for France, but France failed much too quickly, and the Boston, fast and powerful with more than 3,000 horsepower, seemed the perfect weapon to throw at some of the most heavily defended and critical targets of the Germans. What was needed was bomb load and above all speed, and this the Boston supplied in superb fashion. Twelve Bostons were ordered out for a strike at German coastal defenses. It was a mission to be conducted with alacrity. Go in low, hit the targets, and get the hell out of there. At the British bomber base, An air marshal of the Royal Air Force was present to oversee the raid and to learn from the returning crews vital information on the enemy coastal positions. He watched from a window of the office he occupied on the base as 12 Bostons raced into the air. The drone of the engines fell away as speed and distance absorbed the sound. Then it was quiet and perhaps the worst time of all. Waiting. The minutes ticked by slowly. The air marshal judged in his own mind the speed of the planes, their route, the miles to be covered, how long it would take for the Bostons to make their runs, race away and drop into the water to run back for England. Nothing he could do might speed up that awful waiting. The seconds dragged. Finally, he heard the distant hum of engines seeming to labor. He heard the throttles easing back, flaps lowering from wings, tricycle gear extending into the air the Bostons rolling out on final and chunking back to the ground. Have the crews report directly to me, was his order. Soon after the engine Thunder died, vehicles drove up to the operations building. He heard doors opening and closing, the thump of booted footsteps. The men of three Bostons stood before their air marshal. He ordered them at ease, wasting no time. Their faces told him of the ferocity of flack The unexpected nightmare of a sky swollen with bursting fire and cutting steel. Any more? He finally asked. The men shook their heads. Twelve Bostons out, three back, nine gone. Horrible numbers, but nevertheless true. It was a slaughter. The crews filled out debriefing intelligence reports. The air marshal made certain the men signed the papers. That was important. Their names, serial numbers, rank, time and date. Gentlemen, I suggest you all have a drink, or two. Thank you. The crews left. The air marshal was left alone to ponder the loss of 75% of his crews. It was more than a beating. It was indecent for men to be thrown into the meat grinder in such a fashion. The aide to the air marshal entered his office where he sat with his misery. Sir. The air marshal looked up and nodded.
0: Sir, there's no easy way to say this. Get on with it. Sir, we took terrible
2: losses tonight. We... I know, I know, the marshal said with impatience. Nine out of twelve, down. The aide showed a flash of puzzlement. No, sir. A flicker of hope. Had more crews landed elsewhere? What then? What do you mean? The words came like ice. Sir, we lost all the aircraft. All twelve were shot down. Silence. Then... That is ridiculous. I'm sorry, sir. That's not what I meant. Three of those Bostons landed back here. The aide stared at his superior.
0: Air Marshal, I I don't know what you're talking about, but none of those aircraft have landed here. I repeat, sir, and intelligence has confirmed this, all twelve Bostons were shot down.
2: Then look at this, the Air Marshal said icily. He pushed the signed, dated, and timed debriefing sheets at his aide. The man whitened in disbelief. Every detail of the strike, as reported by intelligence, as determined from German reports... Was exact. Everything that had happened on the mission was in those papers. How how did you get these? The aide asked. I debriefed these crews myself, then sent them off for a well earned drink. Sir, the the bar is it's empty.
0: It has been. What do you mean? No crews have been in there tonight. The crew quarters are also
2: empty. Then how did I debrief these crews? How did they sign these reports? How in the name of God do I have the details of this mission? You're telling me I debriefed crews of three bombers that all this time have been dead? The aide didn't, couldn't answer. He still held the paper signed by the men who died as their planes were shot down over their targets across the channel. As it turned out, all 12 aircraft were lost, shot down by German defenses over occupied Europe. All the crews of those 12 bombers were killed. There were no prisoners, no survivors. Three crews had signed the debriefing papers in the operations room. The men of, the, of three crews, who had died more than an hour before, told the air marshal of the raid, signed their names, left for the well-deserved drink, and were never seen again.
0: Thanks, Jay. Thank you, Jay.
2: All right. All right. I think we're about to bring this boat home. Yeah. Got, we got, one, more, yeah, uh, we got one more poem. As we perm, do a perm perm for you. This one is inscribed on the memorial at an old RAF station named, uh, nicknamed Silk Sheen at East Kirkby, Lincolnshire in England. It was written by a number 630 squadron air gunner, W. Scott. I lie here still beneath the hill, abandoned long to nature's will. My buildings down, my people gone. My only sound's the wild bird's song. My mighty birds will rise no more. No more I hear the merlin's roar, and never now my bosom feels the pounding of the giant wheels. From the ageless hill their voices cast thunderous echoes of the past, and still in lonely reverie their great dark wings sweep down to me. Laughter, sorrow, hope, and pain. I shall never know these things again. Emotions that I came to know of strange young men so long ago. Who knows, as evening shadows meet, are they still with me, a phantom fleet? And do my ghosts still stride unseen across my face so white and green? And in the future, should structures tall bury me beyond recall, I shall still remember them, my metal birds and long dead men. Now weeds grow high, obscure the sky. Oh, remember me when you pass by, for beneath this tangled leafy screen, I was your home, your friend, Silk Sheen.
3: Poems!
0: I, I didn't know what to do then, so... Yeah. <laughs> that's what you know what I it. like? I like, for all we've talked about, the explanations part is just this. Yeah. This is it. That's that's all of it's it. It's kind of, I don't
2: know, it's kind of silly. We, we explain as we go along with this, but... Yeah. Uh, I just feel like there's so many volumes of work that have come out of this type of stuff, and like we said, we gave you kind of a, a very wide uh, breadth of what goes on in the skies, from disappearances to sightings to UFOs to stuff to, to sky bullshit, <laughs> uh, sky bullshit amoeba stuff. Um, we could have started with sky bullshit and saved ourselves some effort. It's true. Um, I think. I, I think. I mean, if you guys liked it, I think we might revisit this yeah. in a later episode. Yeah, there's, there was there's plenty to it.
0: There was a lot of stuff that we cut from here that, but we could still make a whole sure. other episode out of.
2: But um, I think that's gonna do it for yeah. aerial phenomenon. In what kind of a what? Well, what, what do we do now? I think it's gonna be a, a, a glowing <laughs> like <lightning-like. laughs> lightning, like lightning, lightning like, but not. Uh, sky star jelly in, <laughs> encrusted nutshell. <laughs> star jelly nutshell. <laughs> and of course, uh, Dave. That, yeah. that brings us right into the middle of the flack Yeah, that's true. We're flying straight into the terrible uh, defenses of
3: puns.
0: A devil egg? Is that, is that a deviled
2: egg? It sure is. <laughs> Shit! It sure That's is. That's a war crime. <laughs> uh Who's going first? You are. Okay.
0: I'm only going to do two. I, I put three down. Oh yeah, I'll, no, yeah. I. Me too. Yeah.
2: <laughs> All right. Shortly after World War II, pilots in Eastern Asia started reporting strange little lights that would follow them around before disappearing. Dave. Oh yeah. Yeah. While there were no casualties. They did report a feeling of evil and described the lights as having two thin, wispy, tendril like protrusions on the face of the objects. Well, what were they called? They were the Fu Manchu fighters. <laughs> you
0: celebrate the puns. You knew what you were getting. Well, you know, this whole thing reminded me of the story of a man who was very, very quiet. Who? He was a very quiet man, very uh, self-possessed, not showy at all, Um, but he loved to collect very specific Sesame Street merchandise. Oh, yeah. You guys smell this one yet? (laughs) Um, And he didn't care how much it cost. No? He would would do whatever he had to to get it. He was the quaint Elmo buyer.
2: (laughs) Quaint Elmo buyer. You're welcome. (laughs) I've got another one. Oh, do you? Uh, there's an optical phenomenon that happens in the shining moment when a person is in Chinatown. It only happens to a few good men who have taken anger management and think that what they see is as good as it gets, Dave. Oh, yeah? Yep. They look at the evening star and see two identical ones next to it and think something's got to (laughs) give. It's the Jack Nicholson dog.
3: Jesus.
2: Wow. You really kept hammering the midsection.
0: It doesn't end anything. Huh?
3: It, it does nothing.
0: Um, you know, Florida, we got a new uh, sponsor for the podcast. Yeah, yeah. We are now supported by uh, uh, Auntie Edna's fireproof wardrobes and chimney hatches. Don't let lightning strike you twice. That's Who? it. That name again was Auntie Edna. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Guess what? Hey, them's puns. Yeah. yeah! Woo! And now we come to uh, a special section since we're uh, you know behind on to list- mail. Um, we're not going to read any. What? Yeah. Instead, we're going to come to you, the listener in the audience, live. Uh, if you got any questions, comments, puns, we're going to have our uh, our pun runners, Mark Soloff and Greg Bach, come by. <laughs> Dark Mark Soloff and Greg the Gooch,
3: Whoa.
2: Greg the Gooch Box.
1: Hey, hey no, You want to Oh boy. <laughs> up,
2: oh God, Jay, cut the mics. <laughs> <laughs> All right, anybody got questions? Yeah,
1: who's who's got, who's got questions, puns? Raise your You. you. Oh.
2: What you got? Say your name. Hi Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Ryan, are you from New Orleans? Oh, how'd you get it? <laughs> Ryan from the Rumor Flies podcast. Nice. Hello. <laughs> uh, let's see. So
0: I've been producing a film recently. It's a little bit of a take on a classic. It's an old
2: Civil War and Reconstruction Era romance. Okay. But
1: we're trying to get some of like, the sexiest to be shown in there. Back in the 30s, it wasn't as, you know, Yeah. You to to today. Right. It's going to be called uh, We're Going
2: with the Wind. Oh! Boom! Oh. Oh. No. Bam! Oh, man. Uh, I shall never pun again. <laughs> All right, here we go. What's your name? I'm
1: Grant. And,
2: uh... Wait a minute. Yeah. Right out of my hand. <laughs> He's like, Screw this.
1: Whatever. Yeah.
2: You, you listen to that man. He's a general. <laughs> no,
1: I... There's another weird phenomenon of fighter pilots. They would always just be haunted by remembering Peter Jackson's earlier independent work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're just constantly being followed by the Foo Fighting. Yeah!
2: (laughs) (laughs) Bam! Wow. (laughs) Uh, Excellent. Stories, questions, Ponzi, anybody got any questions about the, the stuff we talked about? Feel free. <laughs> There's no we shame. Is this
0: even possible? Oh, my God.
3: <laughs> Jay.
2: <laughs> hey, Jay. Huh? Sukulo sound. God, <laughs> oh, Jay. Is
1: such a thing even possible? Yes, yes
2: it, it is. is. <laughs>
1: I feel like sex deco,
0: you've grown to like colossal. So like I'm i embracing that crazy son of a bitch. Oh, wow. Okay. Can I tell you
1: something really quick uh, yeah. regarding this and experience
0: of my life? Uh-huh. Oh, um, uh, yeah.
1: My father was hit by ball lightning.
0: No way. Yeah. Yep.
1: He, he should have bought something from animated. Auntie Edna. What was that?
0: Should have bought from Auntie Edna. <laughs>
1: He was perfectly happy with his work.
0: Oh, okay. Uh,
1: yeah, he was he worked as a trucker at a place that manufacture transformers, not those transformers, with <laughs> big electrical boxes and he was there working on one and they said it hit a wire, it came down a huge ball like real slow and then hit him and he flew back like thirty feet. Wow. Damn. That's not a pun and that's not a joke. <laughs> yeah.
2: That, that was an injury to a family member. Did, did, it, did it stick around or did it like go into him and, and disappear after it did? I it? don't know. It said it hit the machine, that hit him. And um, my guess is it probably disappeared in the
1: machine because they didn't say anything about it being. The oh, top I see. Could we see his skeleton? <laughs> you sure could. Yeah. Oh! oh! Can we see a skeleton today? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Everybody go walking! I saw a
1: hand over in the off Creek in the fucking alien area. Oh my god. Yeah. Okay, I don't know if you guys know, but there I'm
3: Lucia. Oh, there you go. Hi, Lucia. Okay. Hi. She's so, there are reports of World War II fighter pilots that have um, lights that follow them and then bop them on the head. They yeah. little bunny
0: foo-foo fighter. <laughs> 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 oh my oh, yeah. That's awesome.
3: <laughs> uh, hey Mark, uh, I got a
2: pun of questionable quality <laughs> that's the only kind of pun there is redundant you guys <laughs> <laughs> you, know, um, are you did you guys hear about that book, that
3: book about those sexy blue amoebas that are the dudes uh-huh. it's called they live in the sky <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I, <don't> know. <laughs> I was really surprised that you guys didn't pick up on Ken High Hay- when he called them sylphs. Sky, me, because I'd like to, <laughs> to <laughs> mean <laughs> That's very
2: true. It's true. true. <laughs> 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 hey! Oh. Children here.
3: Yeah. Are
0: there any other
3: questions, puns,
2: stories? Comments? anybody? Any
0: like it. It's, yeah. Yeah!
2: <laughs> Any Anybody? anybody? Any Anything? No? Yes. Everyone just wants to go home and I don't blame them. <laughs> That's true. I don't blame them.
0: No.
3: Reference?
1: Keep no. Keep going. It's great. Actually. Oh, you, oh, oh, I know who this is. Who are you? I'm Johnny Robots. Yes!
2: Johnny <laughs> Robots! Yes! Johnny Robots!
1: Um, a lot of people
0: don't know this. In uh-huh. the Lord of the Rings novels, they're actually unidentified flying objects. Oh, really? Yeah, Aragorn called the council look into it. It was the Majestic Elves. <laughs> That's a good Majestic Twelve pun. I, uh, That's the one I made. I I is it? You, <laughs> <laughs> I loved it the first time I heard it.
2: <laughs> I thought I thought you were going to talk about the uh, the the leader, uh, the the guy that you, they used to call Strider, but uh, his actual name. Uh, is is everybody's favorite lover in Middle Earth, uh, Era Oregon. Oregon? <laughs> <laughs> Era Oregon. <laughs> yeah, that's better. So when you guys were kids and you were in the computer lab, did you play that simulator where your whole family goes to the last. No, what is this? Did you guys play that <laughs> <touching> <laughs>
3: <laughs> but
0: what's it called? I don't know, audience, can you tell me what it's
3: called?
0: <laughs> I don't think we're gonna go on a higher note than that.
2: I think that's a pretty good time to punch All it. Alright. Oh we're gonna do it again! Oh sh start it over. Start it over.
0: Thank you guys what? so much for coming out yeah. tonight. You guys are awesome, and it has been—it's—it's uh, it's humiliating and, and uh, uh, humbling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, humiliating. It really That's my fault. The humbling part's <laughs> your fault. We're all complicit in this.
2: Yeah, I—I I mean, obviously, we can't do this without you guys, and uh, to even get this far in the almost five years, five-ish years yeah, that we've been doing it been is is us. amazing. And thank you guys so much uh, from the bottom of both of our hearts and the inside of that skeleton's b- bulging eyeballs. <laughs> yeah, this guy. Thank you from in there too. Oh, everything's No, it's not cool. Listen, um what uh you you know if if anybody here has not liked the Facebook page, go and like it so we can hit 1100. <laughs> yeah, we're almost there. <laughs> just just do it. Get out your phones. Um we blurry underscore photos on Twitter. You know yep. that. I'd like to give a shout-out to uh, my fiance Annie, for all her help. She, she was selling you shirts and raffle tickets, and she did a ton of work uh, helping to get this uh, yeah. going. She also bought me Starbucks this morning when I, I couldn't Like uh, Popeye? Wake up. I'm like, And... Um, <laughs> So, uh, big thanks to her. So, yeah, I, yeah. I think that's going to do it for this episode of Blurry Photos, Dave. What do you yeah, think? I think it is. All I think right. that will do it. Well, I ha- you, you, we'll get there. <laughs> Damn it. I have been the angel hairless David Stecco. <laughs> Wait a minute. I said David Stecco. <laughs> <Yeah>! <laughs> so, what does that leave me? <laughs>
0: I'll tell you what that leaves me. That leaves me as Davis Octavius Gaius Stechnonicus. <laughs> yeah. Spend all my money on names. That's right. Thank you very much. Thank you, everybody. Okay. Woo.
3: Bye. <laughs> Woo.
0: Yeah. I love. No. <laughs>